Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Well, hey, maybe you're joining us for the first time over the past few weeks. We've been in a new series called Anchor for My Soul focusing specifically on God's promises in his word. You know, two weeks ago, we heard about God's promises in the storm. Do you remember that message? So powerful. And then last week, we talked about God's promises for our past, our present, and our future. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to Pastor Mike's message, I highly encourage you to go back. Such a powerful word. Amen? So good. And we hear these promises, 7,487 promises are mentioned in God's word. Promises to never leave us or forsake us. Promises to trade fear for power, love, and a sound mind. All these great promises, they're precious promises. But you know, there's a difference in knowing the promises of God and walking in the promises of God. We can hear them. We can say, oh, I need that promise for my life. I'm holding on to that one. But then it comes time for Monday morning and I've got to walk this out. And I really don't see something in front of me that looks like a promise. In fact, it looks like the opposite of the promise I've been given. Something comes up. You know, a couple of years ago, we were sitting in the office um, here at the church, and there was a couple of girls, we were eating lunch, and we were having steak kebabs from Zoe's kitchen. They were so good. May Zoe's forever rest in peace. But Zoe's had these steak kebabs, and they were amazing, but I always get in a hurry when I eat, and so I was eating a steak kebab in the office, and it got stuck. Now, what you need to know is that weeks before this, Our staff, our next generation staff, had just done CPR and first aid training. So God's timing is perfect, you know, and we had learned what to do in case of an emergency. We were ready. We were prepared. I knew if I was choking, I was supposed to do this. Then someone was supposed to ask, is the scene safe? See, we practice. We know. We know what to do. Is the scene safe? And I was supposed to say, no, it's not. But you got, if you know me, you know, I can be a little expressive, just a little bit, big hands all the time, acting things out. I know that about myself. So in the office, when this happened, I forgot what to do. And everybody in the office thought I'm just doing what I always do in the mornings, you know, everywhere, except for one person. And her name is Gabby. And if you don't know Gabby, Gabby serves here on our central support team. She is amazing. Come on. Somebody loves Gabby. (laughs) she is awesome. Gabby looks at me and she's like, is this for real? I'm still not doing the sign that I'm supposed to do, but I'm nodding. And she comes up behind me and, and look, Pastor Doug was talking about being yoked. That girl was beating my back. I mean, everything she had just beating my back. Steak kebab comes out. I go right to her and I hug her and we both realize, yes, I'm still alive today. Praise the Lord. She is just beating my back. And I just hug her and I said, oh my gosh, Gabby, you saved my life. She immediately says, I didn't do anything I was supposed to do. (laughs) Not one thing. You were supposed to do this. You didn't do that. I didn't know you were choking. Nobody asked, is this scene safe? 
And I sure didn't do the Heimlich maneuver. So here she comes behind me later, a couple days later, and she comes and brings me her first aid certification card, puts it on my desk and says, I don't deserve this. I didn't do anything I was supposed to do. I said, Gabby, you saved my life. I'm so thankful for you. But isn't that just like us? We can know what to do. We can hear the promises of God. We can know what to do when it comes time for trials and tribulations. But then when we're looking at that situation, all of a sudden we forget it all. It's hard to walk in the promises of God when you hear those promises. And maybe over the past few weeks, you've heard promises you've never heard of before and it's brought you hope. You hear promises that he does not give you fear, but you're still terrified of your future. You're trying to hold on to that promise or, or maybe you hear something that God has spoke to you directly You've been praying specifically for something and you're believing for something and you're holding on to that. Maybe it's something he's told you about your family, your finances, maybe something in your future with a job, whatever it may be. He's told you something and you're holding on to it, but right now it feels like he's forgotten. Even in my own life, can I be honest with you this morning? It is hard to walk in the promises of God. It's easy to hear it, it's easy to know it, but it's hard to walk. And I got to tell you, I don't even like the word walk. I want to run into the promises of God. Anybody else with me? Like, can we have them now? Can we possess them now? I know you say it and I believe it, but I want to see it too, God. Anybody with me? I want to hold on to those promises. So how do we walk? How do we walk in God's promises? You know, that word is thrown out a lot in the Christian uh, community. We say, how's your walk? You know, are you walking with Jesus? As a kid, I remember wondering, what does that even mean, walking with Jesus? Well, I want to give you a little definition that will help you as we shape what we're talking about today. Walking is a step-by-step -step choosing God's way over my way. Walking is step-by-step -step movement forward, not just staying, but movement choosing His way over my way. Colossians 2, 6 through 7 says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up. This is what walking looks like. It looks like strong roots. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. If we're not just gonna hear God's promises and we're gonna walk in them, we gotta take root. We gotta be rooted. Today, I wanna talk to you about walking in God's promises. And there's a passage in the Bible in Joshua chapter six. If you have your Bibles with you today, we're gonna go there to Joshua chapter six. We're gonna read verse two through seven. Maybe you have the app. You can download that. You'll have some notes you can follow along. It's awesome. But we're gonna read from Joshua six, two through seven. I wanna catch you up to what's happening before where we're gonna pick up. The Israelites have been in slavery. Israelites are God's people. They've been in slavery in Egypt for a very long time. God sends Moses to them and rescues them. And they leave Egypt and they have been promised this land where they can finally go and rest. They've been promised this land. In fact, they received this promise long before through Abraham. Abraham was this man who God gave him this promise 
that he would have as many descendants as stars in the sky, and that he was gonna, God was gonna give him a land where the Israelites could have all kinds of rest. That the land was flowing with milk and honey, they could have rest, and now they are out of Egypt, and they, instead of taking the 11-day journey to the promised land, it takes them 40 years in the wilderness. Now, I don't know if you've been through a transition period in your life where you have not had a home and you've had to live in small quarters or with different people. I've had to do it. It's tough, but I've never had to do it for 40 years. 40 years. Can you imagine wondering, not having a place to rest? And here they are with Joshua. And Joshua is taking them over the Jordan River. And it's finally time for them to enter the promised land. Here comes the milk and honey. Here comes the grapes. We've been hearing about it. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. Here it comes. And this is where we're going to pick up because as soon as they cross into the promised land, they are met by a fortified city. They're met by Jericho. God, you gave us this promise, but it looks like somebody lives here already. We don't possess it yet. Israelites have entered the promised land, but they have not possessed it yet. Let me just tell you, church, we can be walking in the promises of God and not have it in our hands. We can be walking in those promises. Look at what it says. But the Lord said to Joshua in verse two, I have given you Jericho, its king and its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once, for six, once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with a priest blowing the horns. When you hear the priest give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into town. Look, God has given Joshua step-by-step instructions. Now they're different, but he's given them to him. Step-by-step. Verse six says, Joshua called together the priest and said, Take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, march around the town and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. Now here they are crossing the Jordan River, coming into the promised land. And what you need to know, I think this is so interesting Back when Abraham was given the promise, if you study the land that God shows him, many theologians believe the Israelites were given 300,000 square miles. 300,000 square miles. And here they are in just a few short miles in and they're facing an obstacle. In the middle of their promise. So I want to talk to you for just a few moments about how do we Walk in the promises of God. I wanna give you three things that we can find in this passage. So if you're taking notes, number one is have the right perspective. Have the right perspective. In verse two, God says to Joshua, I have given you. I have given you. Now, I think it's interesting here that he uses past tense. He says, I have given you. Can you imagine you're an Israelite and you hear the words, I have given you, but you see a wall. This doesn't look like a gift, God. Do you know, years ago, if you don't know this, I have four kids. Um, There's never a dull moment in my house. 
of Myla River Briggs and Chapel, and my third-born Briggs came into the house one day crying. Now, Briggs, what you need to know about him, he is an emotional kid. I love it. He is all passion, and he, it's like this. We're just, we're riding that wave, right? He is emotional. He comes into the house, and he is crying, and he says, Mom, Myla, which is his older sister, said, I can't have candy. I'm trying to figure out, why did Myla tell you that, first of all? I can't even talk to him because he's so emotional. I finally get down at his eye level, and I said, it doesn't matter what Myla says. I say you can have candy. It's yours. Tears went away. He's in his happy place right now. And let me just tell you, it doesn't matter what people say around you. If God says it, it's yours. In his word, it is backed with yes and amen. It doesn't matter what obstacles are in the way or what's going on, it's yours. You see, the problem is often we don't focus on what he's given us, we focus on what we don't have. I'm guilty of it. Sometimes we focus on what's lacking instead of what has already been given to us. You know, there was a psychologist who studied, he wanted to study the difference between people who are positive and the difference between people who are negative, people who focus on what they have and people who focus on what they don't have. And so he found out about these two twins, these little boys, and one was very negative and the other was positive. And he said, okay, we're gonna do an experiment. And so he got two rooms together and in the first room, this was gonna be the little boy that always focused on what he didn't have, who was negative. He filled that room with gift upon gift upon gift. Come on, it's like Christmas and your birthday all combined, all the gifts in the room. And the little boy opened the door and he saw all the gifts and he immediately started getting upset. The psychologist looked at him and said, you know, what are you upset about? And he said, this is a lot of gifts. This means I'm gonna have to open a lot of presents. And this means that there's gonna be a lot of paper. What am I gonna do with the paper and all the boxes that it came in? I'm gonna have to go recycle them now. I'm gonna lose my day off because I'm gonna be recycling them. He's so worried about it, right? So the psychologist then takes the, the second little boy, who is the one who's always focused on what he has and what he's given, and he's so positive, nothing ever got him down. And he decides, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna fill this little boy's room, this room for him, with horse manure. The little boy opens the door, sees a room with piles and piles of manure, starts grinning, smiling, running towards the manure, and starts digging in, jumping in, separating it, going, getting a shovel, opening up, and he turns around, the psychologist is stunned. What are you doing? And he looks back and he says, with all this manure, there's bound to be a horse under here somewhere. There's gotta be. You see, we can focus on what something gives us or we can focus on what we don't have. We can see an opportunity in front of us and we can say, God, what does this give us? God, I know you've given me peace, but right now all I see is chaos. God, I know you've given me peace. Your word says that it's peace. If I pray, you give me peace that guards my heart and mind. But right now I'm living in chaos. God, you know what this means? This gives me an opportunity to lean into you to experience your love, 
to see how you guard my heart and give me peace in the middle of chaos. God, I know you came to seek and save that which is lost. But I have a close friend of mine who doesn't know Jesus. And I'm holding on. And this gives me an opportunity to know you and serve you and love you and to keep praying and drawing close to you. God, I'm still single and I'm lonely. And I want to be with someone. I want to be in a relationship. But God, I know that this is an opportunity to know that I am made in the image of God all by myself. And you have a calling for me. You see, there's a gift. You just have to look for it. There's a gift. There's an opportunity for something. You just have to look for it. And you can't see it unless you look for it. You can't see it. Oftentimes, the wall is a gift. The obstacle is a gift. So next time you see a wall in your life, and it might be today, it might be this moment right now, see his promise. See a gift. Hold on to it. Remember, when you see a Jericho in your life, when you see a wall, sometimes we get caught up thinking, well, this is a sign I'm not living in the promise. I must not be walking in the promise because I'm facing something very difficult. But often when you see an obstacle in your life, it is a sign that you are walking in the promises of God. We have to have the right perspective. Number two is we have to be willing to pivot. We have to be willing to pivot. So here the Israelites are. They're walking into the promised land. They're so excited. This is what they've been given. This is theirs. And they're probably thinking there has to be a plan. There's gotta be a good plan, right? I love what it says in the scripture. I think this is so funny in verse three. God says to Joshua, you and your fighting men march. He uses the adjective fighting. Now, when I think of fighting men, I think of like, like tough guys who these guys have been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and they are ready to fight. They're like, let's go. I'm ready to fight. It's funny, it doesn't say you and your fighting men fight. It says you and your fighting men march. Joshua didn't look out at the camp and say, where are the marching men? Hey, we need the marching men. Anybody in here ever been in a band? Anybody ever marched? Okay. Joshua wasn't looking for the marching men. He was actually looking and talking to the fighting men. And this is what I love. He says, hey, all you fighting men, you tough guys. I need you to come march. And I need you to be quiet while you're doing it. I think it's so funny to imagine that tent right before, you know, the the locker room. We'll say the locker room. Like, they're planning for battle, right? They're making the plan, and Joshua is getting ready to tell them what to do. And I just picture it like this, okay? Just bear with me for a second. I picture it like he's like, all right, all you fighting men, where's my fighting men? And they're like, yeah! A little more manly than that, probably. But they're just like, yeah. And then he says, we're going out against Jericho today. And all the men in the room, help me out. They said, yeah. Oh man, I hope we're not going to battle with (laughs) y'all. Come on, help me out. All the fighting men in the room, we're going out against Jericho today. And they said, yeah. "Yeah, That was good. I'm on y'all's team. I feel good now. All the fighting men, we got to get ready to, He said, are you ready? And they said, yeah. And then he said, you know what we're going to do? And they said, fight. And he goes, no. We're going to march. 
They probably looked at him like, what are you talking about? We're gonna march? You see, there was no prior experience to this battle. No one was in the back of the tent going, hey, I've seen this one before. You know, we're gonna go out in front of this city and we're gonna march around once a day for six days. We're not gonna say anything. We're gonna carry the Ark of the Covenant with us. We're just gonna walk around this city and, and then we're gonna go back home. We're gonna do it on the seventh day. We're gonna do it seven times. I've seen this one before. Just trust me. God's gonna move. It's gonna be great. There was no prior experience to draw from. I don't know if you've ever been there in your life when you've tried something and you're going through something and you say, okay, the last time this worked. You know, maybe you've been praying for something in your job and there's a struggle with relationship and someone you don't get along with and you're saying, hey, usually I use my gifts of communication and I talk my way out of this and it's not working right now. Maybe God wants you to just pray and see what he can do. And I thought about this in parenting. I gotta be willing to pivot a lot as a mom. My husband and I, we had our firstborn, Myla, and she, she's just wonderful child. She's 10 years old today. I took her to a fifth and sixth grade room for the first time today. Love that kid. I read all the parenting books I could preparing for her. I was like, I'm going to be a good mom. I'm praying for her. You know, I can just look at her like this and she's like, yes, ma'am. Right? Well, then as soon as I was feeling real good about myself as a mom, number two came along. His name is River and God sent him to humble me. And River just flows differently. He's just different. River will be sitting at the table. He cannot sit still. His bottom is in the air. His knees are up on the table. I have no idea. The other day, he had hummus on his knee. We didn't even have hummus for dinner. I have no idea how it got there. He's River. He's special. He's wonderful. He's a leader. He's the most compassionate kid you'll ever meet in your life but I have to do things differently with him. And sometimes God wants us to know there are times in our life where we're believing for something, we're holding to the promises of God, but we have to pivot. We have to do something we've never done before. It may require some prayer and saying, God, I'm gonna stop and watch what you can do because I've done all I can. I'm a fighting man, I fight. But right now, God, you need me to march. Right now, God, you need me to stop and say, God, you do what you do. You know, oftentimes in our life, when Jericho's come up, it's God's opportunity to say, it's my turn. You've been trying, but now it's my turn. All I need you to do is keep walking in my promises and watch, I'll tear those walls down in your life. You don't have to worry about it, I got it. You see, we have to be willing to pivot. It's an opportunity for God to show his power and his glory. And the last thing we have to do, number three, is look to his presence more than his promise. We gotta look to his presence more than his promise. You see, if you're like me, sometimes I focus on the promises of God more than I do on his presence. And in verse six and seven, Joshua told the people, we're gonna take the Ark of the Covenant out to battle with us. Now this was different. You talk about pivoting. This had never been done before. The Ark of the Covenant, the place where God's presence dwelt, had never been out to battle with them before. But Joshua said, we're gonna gather the Ark and we're going to take it with us to battle. Why? So we keep our eyes on what matters. That our heart and mind might see the difficulty ahead, 
But we're going to keep something in front of us and behind us that reminds us that God's presence is with us. And it's the only thing that matters. You see, the first two things, have the right perspective and be willing to pivot are all things we can do. But sometimes you just get to the end of your rope, you can't do anything else. And that's when you need God's presence. That's when it goes beyond my control and it because it becomes what God can do. You know, the last two weeks, my family has gone through crazy situation. It's been hard on my family. My dad is here today and I wanna honor him for a second because my dad is my hero. Dad, can you stand up and wave at everybody real quick? <laughs> I'm so thankful for him. These past two weeks, um, we got a phone call two weeks ago that my mom's parents were in a car accident. Um, 90 and 92 were in a car accident and my grandmother was killed. Right after that, a couple days later, we get another phone call, my dad's mom passed away. My mom and dad lost their moms within one week of each other. And then the morning of my mom's mom's funeral, my grandmother, we call her Nani, would have been her 73rd wedding anniversary to her husband, 73 years. He went to be with Jesus too that morning. Yesterday morning, 73 year anniversary, he went to be with Jesus. And I can't explain it to you, but there is a peace. There is such a peace in knowing God's presence. I've seen it in my parents and the courage that they have losing my mom, a mother and a father, and my dad, a mother, all in the same two week span. I've seen this peace and you can't explain it except for God's presence. That's it, because in his presence, the Holy Spirit gives us joy. It gives us strength, it gives us peace. In the middle of chaos, in the middle of facing obstacles, we can experience his peace and his joy. And y'all, I can't explain it, but there's peace. And God wants to do that for somebody this morning. He wants to remind you he's here. And in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And you've been trying to figure it out. You've been trying to say, hey, okay, I know the promises of God but I just don't have possession of them yet. Keep walking, keep walking, keep walking in the promises of God. I've seen my grandparents walk in the promises of God. I've seen my parents walk in the promises of God when everything else around them told them that promise isn't real. They said, we're holding on. We're gonna walk in the promises of God. And we've seen the peace of God. I still remember being in church with my grandparents. They were both pastors and you would go to church and they'd bring out that hymnal. Y'all remember the hymnal? Anybody remember the hymnal? And there was this one song I'll never forget, standing on the promises of God. My grandmother would start singing out. My grandma had some vibrato. She'd be like, stand, strong vibrato. And she would sing, standing in the promises of God. I wanna read these lyrics to you. It says, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Listen to this verse. Standing on the promises that cannot 
fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living Word of God, I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. Today, I wanna encourage you. We're gonna take it beyond knowing His promises today. We're even gonna take it beyond standing on God's promises. And we're gonna walk in the promises of God. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.